girls around here somewhere. Pleased to meet you. My parents speak in unison so perfect that someone really ought in some manner to express amusement. But instead, Sue and Dad shake hands, and my mother accepts a clipboard loaded with forms, while I sit silent beside the car. The sun beats down on my head. Has Jean ever spent a night away from home? My dad says, no. Well, Mom adds, only with us with her on family trips and whatnot. She's working on the forms on the hood of our station wagon. Inside, my sister Cindy is sprawled across the back seat. Sue says, we have a lot of first-time campers this time. Jean will fit right in. Mom's smile is a little rigid. Well, I know she will. She always does. You know she's in public high school. Going to graduate next year. With honors, I might add. Beta club, key club, I don't know what all club, and perfect attendance for seven years in a row. Dad's habitual grin goes up a wide notch. At any rate, Mom says, we thought it would be good for her to have an experience away from home. Away from us, too. She needs to find out she can survive without us. She's never let cerebral palsy hold her back. I shrug. I feel no need to prove anything. But if this is what my parents want, I can indulge them. While I'm at camp, my family will be sleeping in a tent on the beach. I know she'll have a great time. You're not nervous, are you? It takes me by surprise, her turning from my parents to me without warning. And I'm not ready to talk. I'm struggling to get words out, and I realize I don't even know what words I'm going for. There's no way out when it gets like this. Sue jumps back in. Hey, that's a really cute outfit. It's a culotte suit in a funny print. The words, no, 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 repeated all over. Dad's still grinning, and I know what's coming. Like I told her this morning. Just look at those clothes to remember what to tell the boys at camp. He rubs my head the same way he rubbed it this morning when he made the same joke. The same way he always rubs his best dog. He always makes dumb jokes, and I always laugh. I laugh now, but I hope the talking will end soon and they'll get me out of the sun. My mother hands Sue the clipboard. Did I do everything right? Sue shows them where to sign. They sign. Along with the intake forms, I'm handed over in the sandy parking area. Mom bends down. I tilt my head up for a kiss that smells like face powder and feels like lipstick. Dad gives me a noisy smack on the forehead and a friendly slap on the back. Now, try to behave yourself, girl. Do us proud. I wonder if it will be this hot the whole time. That's it. I should have a spaz attack, but I don't. There should be a strong emotion of some kind, but there isn't. Ever since that August in 1970, I've pressed hard to squeeze something out of my memory, but I always find it dry. I have to accept it. When I lean back to receive goodbye kisses from my mother and father, all I feel is hot. The doors thunk shut and the engine rumbles. Dad waves through the window and honks goodbye. I can't see, but I know Cindy is lolling around, and Mom is worrying. Mom does so much worrying that I never have to worry about anything. Sue lays the clipboard on my lap. Jean, I'm going to take you to the lodge now. 
She pushes me toward a low building framed in natural timbers with a steep pitched roof. Since this is your first time at camp, I know you're wondering what it's like, and I can tell you, you'll have a great time. You'll make all kinds of friends. There's a lot to do. Her voice fills the space behind and above my head. Below, my casters scrape through sand that's too loose for traction. I think Carol's down at the cabin. She's the other counselor. I'm sorry if folks didn't get to meet her. She doesn't give me time to talk. Maybe she thinks I can't. Almost everyone's here now. We have eight girls in the cabin, a full house, and we'll mix with other cabins for activities. The one-sided conversation doesn't bother me. She means well. We get past the sand and roll onto the pavement in front of the lodge. In the heat, I can smell the blacktop. Dolly and I have been properly introduced, and she's sitting right beside me at the end of this long metal table, but clearly there's no point in trying to have a conversation with her. She's talking CP talk. I can't understand at all. So I sit here and watch my eyes get adjusted to the inside darkness. In deep shade under the eaves, with open screens all around, you'd expect it to be cool here, but instead it's just a different kind of heat. Outside, the heat was hammered into my head. Here, it oozes into me from all sides. At the other end of the table, I see another girl, sitting stiff and tense on the edge of a metal folding chair. Dolly keeps on talking. She doesn't seem to care whether I understand or not. A geyser of meaningless vocalization shoots from a contorted throat toward the beams overhead. I'm not really trying, but I start catching phrases. The Johnny Carson, the earliest, you know what I mean, never before midnight, to bed with the chickens, to complain my novella, pretty risque. Saliva bubbles up and her right arm shoots out with force that startles me. I work on it constantly. Well, you know, pretty steamy in spots. Her body has slipped down, almost off the chair seat. It fights against straps that are supposed to bind her waist, but instead mash into the flesh under her arms. The right knee punches into her ribcage, and the left foot is pinched between the aluminum footrests of the wheelchair. It looks painful. But here lights out at 10 p.m., Night show, Doc Severinsen. Tangled shorts and tank top barely cover the essentials. She should wear a bib to catch all the drool. I try not to listen, try not to look. That rigid girl at the far end of the table is tapping one eyebrow with the tips of two fingers. Her thin face is pasty white, and her hair as short as a boy's. Pretty explicit. I see a plump young woman on a stretcher lying on her stomach, propped up on her elbows like a sunbather. She's talking to a blind girl who gently sways from side to side. It takes up a lot of my time. Novella, risque in places for adult readers, most definitely. A quadriplegic is driving his electric wheelchair with his mouth, whirring and clicking. Not at all what I'm used to, taps, and I can't seem to fall asleep. One or two in the morning, Johnny Carson, every night. A boy camper and a good-looking boy counselor are talking in sign language. That eyebrow tapper across the table is still at it. Dolly's talk swirls and spirals, around to the novella, back to staying up to watch Johnny Carson. Bedtimes and sex scenes. 
Dolly's voice merges with other voices, other sounds. In the high rafters, big fans churn the air, folding the smells of sweat and bug spray into sweet odors sucked in from the kitchen. I summon the positive attitude that always serves me well. I look at Dolly. She's the worst CP I've ever seen. If the counselors can take care of her, I'll be no problem at all. I'll do fine. I always do fine. Better than fine. I'm the only crippled student ever in my school. I'm the only crippled person in my hometown. When I was four, I was a regional state poster child. Of course, at age 17, I'm no longer so adorable as to stop traffic. But I still have my blonde hair and blue eyes and skin that tans just right. I look down at my lap. No, 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 no. I'll be back for y'all in a minute. Sue is taking Dolly and the eyebrow tapper away, leaving me with a 10-ounce bottle of Coke and yet another girl in a wheelchair. I'm Sarah. She acts like I should have heard of her already. I see you've met Dolly. She rolls her eyes. Her head, which looks fairly normal, barely reaches the tabletop. It seems shoulders and arms sprout right from her seat. This is my eighth year here. How about you? My first time, I speak carefully, separating each syllable. If I take my time and people pay attention, I'm not that hard to understand. I hear a boy's voice behind me. Hey, Sarah, I just found out you're here. Her sharp eyes crinkle with delight. Willie, you're a sight for sore eyes. Or perhaps, more accurately, I should say an eyesore. You're just as sweet as you've always been. He steps in front of me, and the sight of him hits like an explosion of ugliness. He's skin and bones, a shocking lack of flesh in general, but with big knots of flesh.